All right, are you ready for this word this morning? I'm excited. I want to inspire you. I want to, I want to get down in your toes, and I want to push a shout up out the top today because I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about enduring patience. Enduring patience. We began higher love with the first fruit of the Spirit. I believe it's singularly one, and all of those that follow are just different expressions of how love comes out as we Open this morning, our text is John chapter 13. I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time, if you would please. I'm going to read these two verses of Scripture from John chapter 13. And if you would find a screen where it's comfortable for you to read, and let's read this first one out loud together. Here we go. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. One more verse. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, I have another text, Hebrews, this is for today's message. Hebrews chapter 10, and it's about seven verses. So find a screen, just listen, I'll read it to you. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Everybody say suffering. Now, I want you to notice how many times you see the word suffering, suffer, suffered, Okay, in this passage, verse 33, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. Verse 34, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Everybody say joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away the confident trust in the Lord Remember the great reward it brings you. Everybody say, trust God. 36, here it is. Say the words emboldened. Patient endurance. Say it again. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. What did Scott sing about today? Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter what I feel. It's all about your promises to me. But we've got to endure. We can't, look at your neighbor and say, you can't quit. It says, for in just a little while, verse 37, the coming one, that's capital C, so it's Jesus is who they're talking about. The coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. You heard that for eight weeks in the book of Galatians. Here's the Hebrew location of that. He says, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who what? Turns away. But we are not like those who what? Turn away from God to hear or or to their own destruction. We are the what? Faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Bow your hearts with me please for a word of prayer. Father, thank you that you're the God of patience, endurance, encouragement, consolation, comfort. We look to you today. Lord, there are people under the sound of my voice that are struggling with their health, with a difficult word from a doctor. There are marriages that are broken that are in this room. Or there are businesses that are on the businesses that are on the edge. There are dreams that seem to have been buried. In the midst of the problems and the trials and the troubles and the suffering that we're facing, give us this enduring patience. Give us something, O Lord, that gives us the ability, not in ourselves, but in you. When we look to you, we know that it's possible. 
God, we, we, we know apart from you we're nothing. I acknowledge that. But God, I'm thankful that I'm not apart from you, that through you and with you I can do all things because you're the one who strengthens me. Be in my thoughts and in my words, Holy Spirit. Be the ears and the hearts of the people to help them hear and perceive and understand and to grasp, Lord, a seed of hope, a kernel of faith, Lord, an injection of of endurance in the circumstances they're facing. Because, Lord, we know there's something that is far greater that lasts, outlasts everything that is waiting for us. Help us to keep waiting for you and on you. It's in your name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and greet about three folks and tell them you're glad to see them this morning. Introduce yourself. As you're seated this morning, the one thing that I want to drive into your thinking, if you're a regular here at Victory, you know that I always have something that kind of repeats. We utilize the tool of repetition because as humans, it takes us a few times to get something in there past all of our expectations, all of our set of presuppositions that we deal with, how we think things ought to be done, how Granny always did it, traditions wrong-headed ideas, rejection of change, all this kind of stuff. It usually takes a few times to hear something over and over and over. Paul wrote to the Philippian church and he said, for me to say the same things to you, it's safe and it's not grievous for me to repeat it. It's safe for you to hear it again. And so we go over the gospel. We repeat it. We share that it's not just about a home in heaven and escaping the fire of hell, but it's about a life, a quality of life. Eternity is not a long time. As a matter of fact, it's no time at all. It's, it's out of a timeless limitation. It's outside of a time, space and time continuum. It is uh, Eternal life is a quality of life that you learn to walk in right now. It's not when you die to go to heaven in the sweet by and by, but it's eternal life that you have inside you right now. It's a quality. It's a kind of life. It's the zoe, life of God. We, we get the English word zoology, which is the study of life. Bios, biology. Those are two different words for life. And the zoe, life of God, is this God kind of life. It doesn't quit. It can't die. It's unending. Patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally cause others to quit. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. It is love. There is one fruit. All of the others are expressions of love. If you love somebody, then you are going to overflow with joy for them at times. doesn't mean every moment, 24-7, 365, is completely a giddy moment of joy. But it means there will be expressions of joy. If you really love somebody, there will be an underlying calm, a tranquility. It's called the peace of God. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Today is patience. They always told me when I was a kid, don't ever pray for patience. because, And they always quoted the King James, tribulation worketh patience. You know, when you put E-T-H on the end of a verb, it sounds really spiritual. Everybody say worketh. That's, That's not what you did 40 hours this week. You were at worketh. 
tribulation worketh patience. It sounds really something when you say it that way, but it just means you don't get this stuff free. You, you, you have to work it. The Bible says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And It said in the NLT that we read in the text last week, God blesses those who work for peace. And so we recognize that there's an effort. Now, we're not working to earn anything because God gives us what we don't deserve and He gives us something we don't merit. And sometimes we have such a dichotomy between works and grace that folk think that grace is just all a big government program and it's a give me and we don't have to do anything. Grace is not opposed to to effort. Grace is just opposed to earning. It's opposed to why you exude the effort. You've got to have some effort. You've got to get up out your bed because God's not just going to zip open the heavens and drop your lunch down in your bedroom for you today. You got to get up and go to worketh. They always told me, don't, don't pray for patience because tribulation worketh patience. And it's just this idea that, that, that in order to be able to grasp it, to grab hold of it, that I'm going to go through some things in order for this fruit to come out in my life because patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally cause others to quit. Look at his screen and read it with me this time. Patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally cause others to quit. A health challenge. A marriage where there is no more loving feeling. A business that's in the red and not the black. Whatever the circumstances are, whatever the challenge is, this is something more than just getting up in the morning and then seeing you've got a flat tire. Yeah, it's, those are momentary spurts of when you're impatient. Let me just confess to you, uh, when, when I asked to do this from our lead team, it wasn't because I'm the paragon of patience. It wasn't because I'm an icon for this fruit. Because like you, I stand in front of the microwave with a 90-second meal wringing my hands and going, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> I, I was in a... A junk shop this week. A friend of mine owns Echoes of Time over on Madison, and I stop in about once a month, and I, you know, look through, and I'll find something cool once in a while that I put up in my man cave, which is the bonus room over my garage, and have my books, and my office, and my desk, and all that stuff up there. And so I've been collecting stuff for years, and I kind of have it out up there in, in a cool way. That I think it's cool anyway. And so I buy some stuff once in a while, and he showed me. He said, I've got a piece I thought about you when I got it, and let me show it to you. So he walks me around to the far side of the, the junk shop, and it's this really old, cool, probably 19, mid-1920s Art Deco radio, maybe 30s because it was FM as well as AM radio. And he turned it on, and he said, now, you know, we're going to have to wait till the tubes warm up before we get any signal. I said, it still works? He said, yeah, it still works. It's pretty kind of cool. And so we stand there and we're carrying a conversation probably for a minute or 90 seconds. And then all of a sudden you hear, here it comes and the tubes are warming up. Now, can you imagine what it was like? My grandparents had something like this. They actually had this big floor unit, big tall, probably came up to about me on here. And presets and it was a big kind of a radio kind of thing that they would listen to. They, they t told me about hearing FDR with his fireside chats during the Great Depression. The beginning of soap operas, and they were called soap operas because it was detergent that was sponsoring them. That's where that whole, whole phrase came from, with soap operas. 
And, uh, you know, listening to Gene Autry or, uh, gosh, who knows, you know, some of the, the blues or the jazz or the big band era favorites. And they thought, man, this was cutting edge. They would sit down and wait 90 seconds for those tubes to warm up. Can you imagine us these days waiting to get a signal from something for 90 seconds? I don't want to go back to my first iPhone because it's slow. How many know what I'm talking about? I remember when I got it, it was lightning speed though. But now they've been upgrades and there have been several new models that have come out. And, and, and I just want to confess to you that when it comes to waiting, I have, I'm averse to it. Don't believe in it. I rebuke it. Don't stop for the train. Don't, I don't, 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 I do, okay. I'm just saying I don't want to. I have to, I don't want to. Um, you know, I get a little peeved sometimes when they expect me to just move like cattle through the, 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 the fast food line at one of the, the, the fine establishments that we have, and then they don't want to wait three seconds while I get my money back in my money. Can you pull forward, sir? No, I've waited on you. You're going to wait on me while I, while I put the ten and then the five and then the ones in the order that I... <laughs> yep, that's me. Because I'm probably a little bit OCD uh, with that. I want it all in order and in right. I have trouble with patience. I'm impatient. But when I said I want to preach this, it's because there's something that is longer, that is a, a demonstration of endurance because we started this thing about 30 years ago and I feel almost like a nursery tale a story with a little boy with a little bag of three magic beans. And you remember Jack and the Beanstalk? Uh, this was before, in 1988, when we left North Carolina, my son was newly born, maybe a few months old, and we'd been praying. We knew that it was the season. We'd been in Bible school, and we'd gone through all the training, and we'd, we had served faithfully out there for about six years, and so we were just really saying, Lord, where are you going to send us? And I was offered a church in Benton, Arkansas. I was offered a church in, in South Carolina. I was offered to come on staff for a larger one in in, in Augusta, Georgia, and just really looking at all those different opportunities and really had a heart to plant. And this is long before they had church planter schools like they do now and, and before churches really in the 90s, the actual, around 2000 is when the whole body of Christ began to, to get this kind of vision to plant more churches, not only in America but around the world for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. So that souls could be saved and, 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 and lives be transformed and changed and, and culture be altered for the sake of the, of the Word of God. And, and, and long before all of that became popular, I had a heart, I had a vision, I had, had a dream in my heart that God would send me somewhere and I always wanted to stay in one place. I did not want to hop because I have friends and I love them dearly and I won't mention any names but most of them don't give any place they've ever been more than two years. And if it didn't happen and happening by then, they're out of there. And I remember there's those years when we were struggling and they were hopping from one place to another and they, would, they have a great ability to draw a crowd and get some donors in there. But about two years into it, it wasn't happening like they wanted it to and so they'd pick up and pull up their stakes, the tent stakes, and they'd move somewhere else. And all the while they'd go, how are you doing over there in West Memphis, Arkansas? And you know, that just doesn't come up on the top of the church planners list. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And first of all, I can say it that way because I was born here. I know all about West Memphis. I know all about the problems that we face. I know all about 
the various circumstances that we deal with and the challenges and the limitations that we have so I can, talk, I can call it like it is and I can say it straight. Come on, somebody, say amen. And, and it just, let's tell the truth. It's not on the top of any church planter's list. Right now, at about to celebrate 30 years here, I've got seniority on everybody in town except for Gary Hare. I've seen the parade of preachers come through West Memphis and Marion over the years and just, hi, bye, hello, good to see you, bye, over and over and over and over as they rotate through because my heart's desire was to, for God to give me a word to plant in one place and lay my life down in that one place and be buried in that place raise up the next generation to do great things for the kingdom of God. I just never thought it was going to be my hometown. And yet the Lord said, this, this is where I would have you go. And I feel like the little nursery rhyme story with the boy with the three beans because that's all I had. You know, church planting teams are sent out now from mother churches with a budget of a quarter of a million dollars for three years. And all the salaries are paid for the lead pastor and for the musician guy and for the, the children's church pastor and for the youth pastor. And they've got an administrative assistant. All of that usually goes already hand in hand. Some of the smaller ones at least go with $100,000. I didn't have anything. Let me just, this is not not patting me on the back. All I had was raw faith. I had three magic beans of faith and hope and love. And I came back to my hometown and Dawn says, who will come? I said, I don't know, but I promise you God will send them. They will come. And I scratched a little hole in the ground and I took the seed of faith and I put it into the soil. And the Lord said, don't quit. Don't quit. Do not give up. And so my heart began to be, God, how can I grasp and understand and build into a people the fiber of this word? The fruit of the Spirit is called patience. And so in order to really be able to communicate with you what I am thinking, we need to define terms. Somebody said, why do you pay so much attention in the beginning of your message on words? Because words are all we have. I have a, an idea. In order to communicate that idea, I have to make sure that the word I'm sharing has the same understanding and meaning to you as when it's leaving my mouth. Because I can say apple, and immediately some of you saw a green piece of fruit, some of you saw a red piece of fruit, and the rest of you saw computers <laughs> or a phone. One word carried multiple images in this room. Like the little boy in Sunday school, the, the teacher is teaching about the Old Testament Bible story of Sodom and Gomorrah and, 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 and Lot and his wife. And, and they were told, leave the town and don't even look back. Move, flee the city. And Lot's wife disobeyed and she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. And little Bobby on the front row raises his hand and said, teacher, teacher, that's nothing. The other day my mommy was driving and she turned into a telephone pole. Something didn't translate with the phrase turned into. <laughs> Same words. But what Lot's wife turned into and what Bobby's mama turned into were two totally different things. And so I want you to see it's important that we communicate our ideas, that we carry across, that what starts in here comes out here, lands in here with you first and then becomes lodged in your heart is all the way through congruent. It is, it is carrying through a consistent message. So when we talk about patience, it's important that we say, what are we talking about? What is patience? Well, there's some Bible words that we want to pay attention to. And the words, this, there's two or three Greek words. I'm not going to take time to give you a Hebrew or a Greek study. 
But there's some important words that you need to know about because every time this word for patience is used, it's translated patient or patience. It's translated endure, enduring, endured. It's translating forbear, forbearance. Forbearance is interesting because it really comes at the times when you're dealing with people. Because people are the ones you have to, come on, say it with me, and I want you to say it with some growl, forbear. I realize that's not a common word. You probably didn't use it on the way to church today, but you had the feeling that you were forbearing somebody. <laughs> Old Testament uses the word patiently waiting. Waiting. And we don't like waiting. And we think of waiting as inactivity. And I, 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 I've struggled to try to break people out of that passive mode of what waiting for the Lord is because waiting upon God, waiting upon the Lord, that one of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and trip downstairs and not fall and, and all of those things. They that wait upon the Lord. And it's the idea of someone who waits your table today at lunch. They're not passively just sitting inactive, but they're observing, actively involved, involved in your lunch, your dinner process. So they're serving you. So when we're waiting on God, it's not that we're just sitting, twiddling our thumbs, idling the time away, but we're actively waiting on a word from the Lord. And so we patiently wait. We endure something. Remember, patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally cause others to quit. That's our one thing. But I want you to see one Greek word that I love. I love this Greek word. And it reminds me, it reminds me of my big fat Greek wedding. As a matter of fact, my children told me one time, Dad, you're the dad in my big fat Greek wedding. Because everything comes back to a Greek word for the dad in my big fat Greek wedding. There's a Greek word. And, and, and you, you have to, if you really do this, you almost have to just throw your shoulders back and you have to say it this way. Hoopamone. Now don't hit anybody next to you. Don't bloody any noses. Leave the arms down. But do it with me. Come on, go. Hoopamone. That's pretty good. Do it one more time. Come on. Hoopamone. Hoopo means under. English word hypo, like a hypodermic needle goes under the skin. Hupo in the Greek is the same. And mane means to remain or to abide. And it's, it is this idea of having a weight and picking up that weight and just being consistent with it moment by moment day after day, things that dads do can say, oh, we got some visitors back here on the back row. I'm not going to pop you in the head with this thing. And they said, I don't know if I'm coming back to this church or not. This crazy preacher's dragging a chair around. And you know what? I'm fine right now, and I'm not even breathing hard, but you let me make 25 more circuits of that. I started training this week, and I was in the floor I'm a pretty stout old guy. And uh, they said, why don't you start with 10-pound weights because we're not going to quit. There's not going to be any break in any of this time. And I was really kind of, ah, it's just 10 pounds are for sissies. You know? I didn't say it out loud. 
But y'all, by the time I had gotten to the end of two circuits, I was huffing and puffing, and my, my heart rate was going hard and fast. And, and I had a guy going, come on, Mike, you can do this. Come on, get up, get up. And, and the motivation that I was getting was basically, it's like the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, this is the stuff that the kingdom of God is made of. Hupamone. When you don't quit because you've got something higher than you calling you to keep on going. I wanted, that was pretty smooth right there how I just did that. You like that? I'm not going to do it again. Fifteen months ago, my life changed radically. i got to breathe so I don't start crying. The love of my life checked out. Her endurance wore thin in a mental illness battle. And I have, I have cried straight for six months. And I've tried to get where I could have strength not because I don't want to be the guy that's never consoled because people get tired of it, you know. And so once in a while it just washes over me and I can't. It's like a flood. I can't stop it. I want to thank, this is not in my message, but I want to thank several of you who thought of me on Valentine's Day this year because the first one I did even every day was just a bucket of tears so it didn't really stand out to me. But I'd probably had a month from the last good cry and so Valentine's Day I don't want to offend you but I'm just going to talk plain it was hell and uh, I'm so grateful for our lead team who thought of me Pastor Haley and Brennan and different ones stopped by and brought me things and kind of brightened the day (coughs) excuse me and if I didn't have Jesus it's not a matter of whether I would have quit or not. I probably wouldn't be alive. Because I had 31 plus years without, with a woman that I truly worshipped the ground she walked on. She was smarter than me. She was wittier than me and would remind me regularly that she was smarter than me and wittier than me. <laughs> oh, she was a hoot, I'm telling you. Some of you, I wish you could have known her. But something grabbed a hold of me down on the inside and said, you can't quit for no other reason than for your kids. You can't quit. You can't give up. And Drew was mad and Abby was sad. And they would both call me and go, Dad, you can't quit. I know, I know you're thinking about quitting this church, but you can't quit. And you're too close. You know, the... The tragic irony of this is that we were on the verge of hitting a season of harvest. Both of my children's careers are flourishing in a crazy, indescribable kind of way. And this church is on the brink of actually being able to shake the county. This new facility is going to help us do that. And it's like the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, down in my gut, you can't quit. Hupamone, to abide under, to take the load. And if you feel like you're dragging it flat on your back on the ground, you don't quit. There's some 
endurance. There's some forbearance. There's some patiently waiting. Now, i got to have me some of that. Uh, what I've been able to do isn't in my own strength. It is because the God of patience has gotten on the inside of me and picked me up when I didn't feel like it. Because God knows the last 15 months there were Sundays that I really just wanted to pull the cover up over my head and didn't have the strength or the emotional output to be able to come and to be able to do what I would show up and then the Spirit of God would just get in it and just shock the daylight out of me. Patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally cause others to quit. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward in sharing God's glory. Here it comes in verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into, say it, problems and trials. For we know that, read it, they help us develop hupomone, patient endurance, remaining under abiding under when folk get tired and quit and say I'm out of here heading for the showers you're out of the game problems and trials this stuff it says an endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love so if I'm going to get some patience, if I'm going to grow some patience, I'm going to have to be willing to deal with some problems and some trials. Now I can just see all of you right now, all of you going, oh goody, goody, bring it, pour it on. Nope, no, nope, we don't do that. It's not uninformed giddiness. But it's a determined perspective to look at circumstances. It was Dr. Norman Vincent Peale who told us that every problem you face has the seeds of its own solution inside the problem. If we can just stop for a moment instead of being overwhelmed by the giants and the walled cities of physical limitations and bad health reports and marriages that we know that are struggling and businesses that are about to enter the bankruptcy column, brokenness in every kind of area, challenges that are, are far outside our own natural ability and our own strength. If we can stop for a moment and not see the problem so big, if we, can, if we can just not say, God, I have a big problem, but if we can turn that around and go, problem, I have a great big God. Uh, you know, would to God... You know, it's like when you can look at the need that you have. It was George Washington, the founding father of our nation, who said that necessity is the mother of invention. If we can see in a moment of lack and we can say, what if, if we can stop and just think, what if this were here to fix this problem? And then we get our creative juices flowing and God is able to. The book of Proverbs says, I, wisdom, create witty inventions. You didn't know that was in your Bible, did you? What if you started thinking like this? 
Christ is in me, and the Bible in Colossians 2.3 says, In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is in me. All wisdom and knowledge is in Christ, so that means it's already on the inside of me, and I just have to access it. Father, lead me, teach me, let your mind be in me. Let me begin to think your thoughts. Show me what you want me to think about this problem. If you could tackle problems like that, your promotion would be that fast, right on your heels. You need to increase in salary. Be a problem solver, not a problem creator. And my God, whatever you are, quit, don't, quit being a problem grumbler. Anybody can criticize, and Benjamin Franklin said most fools do. <laughs> I learned that a long time ago. My pastor, Dr. Kelly Varner, great writer, kingdom man, mentor, he said, Michael, whatever you do, somebody's going to criticize it. He said, that can do two things to you. It can either lock you up and make you become so inward and self uh, insecure about who you are. He said, or it can set you free to be who you are and you just don't care what anybody else thinks. And I've been able to move a little bit in the latter side where, hey, I love you. I'm not for everybody. I'm not everybody's pastor. This is who I am. I'm going to be real. It offends folks sometimes, but I'm going to tell the truth and I'm going to be real. I'm, I'm going to be myself. And you know what? Really down in our heart of hearts, that's what everybody wants to do. We want to meet and be with real people not a, that, that are not churchy. I remember the time my sweet baby girl was talking about Brenna Vest. She said, I just love Brenna. I said, baby, why do you love Brenna? He said, she said, because she doesn't wear a church cloak. And first of all, she was like a 10-year-old girl. I said, cloak? Where did you get the word cloak? <laughs> you and Drew been playing too much Assassin's Creed, hadn't you? What is this cloak? <laughs> cloak. Don't wear a church cloak. Not covered up in churchiness. A whole lot of talk and not a, real, a lot of real substance. Don't shout me down now. I'm preaching so good. You're not acting like it, but I'm preaching real good. This stuff called patience comes at a premium. I'm going to have to have some, I'm going to have to deal with some stuff. I feel like that tree that's not bearing fruit that Jesus said, no, don't pull it up yet. I want you to dig it and dung it. And I'll check it in another year. Everybody say, dig it and dung it. You know what? You feel like your roots are a little bit loose and things are kind of being pulled around you and then here comes that aroma. Well, there's the dung right there. It's been slung at you. Now you can, you can get put off and offended at the stuff you're dealing with or you can realize the stuff that you're dealing with has the ability to bring out who you really are and produce some real fruit in your life. Ooh, that's better than your acting. Come on, put your hands together. They say perspective is everything. Listen to this. Let's go to the Apostle James. He says in James 1 verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'll just confess to you right now, uh, a couple weeks ago I got out and I was ready to go to an appointment and I get out there and there's a flat on my Jeep. I didn't go, oh, joy, 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 down in my heart. As a matter of fact, I didn't say any choice four-letter words. I bit my tongue to keep from saying them and, and just said, okay, God, I choose to give you praise in the middle of this. Literally, this is, I'm making it up on the spot. This happened, and I just, you okay? So I'm not talking about that kind of thing, but I'm talking about where you step back, and, and, and too many times 
a, a circumstance that came to me, whether it was a tire on the Jeep that was flat, whether it was an appointment that extent, got extended, too often I, I have seen the Lord do things that would cause me to providentially cross the path of somebody else that I needed to meet, that was going to become significant in my life. Or maybe the Lord caused me to miss something and it was protecting me from something. If we would just stop being so self-absorbed in every moment and got to feel like the world just is just set up to make us happy and we could step back and go, God, I'm confident in the fact that you work all things together for me because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. It says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, everybody say, this is a test. It is only a test. The young man, the young woman at school that showed up at class, taken notes, gone home and reviewed them. When test time comes, they're not afraid. They're not intimidated one bit because they're ready for the test. But it's when we've not done our homework that we get, we get trepidatious, we get intimidated by the circumstances we face, he said, you know what, guess what, the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is the Lord doesn't just dismiss you and say you're a failure. He says, no, we're going to schedule you another test date. You're going to get to do this again. You'll get another chance. Come on. Are you following me? In the, in the wilderness, in the school of the, the school of the wilderness, they'd go around the mountain again because they didn't learn the lesson the first time. See, God doesn't give social promotions like public schools do. He'll keep you in the second grade and you're 22 years old. Said, no, Michael, we're going to help you learn this, son, because I want you to grow and mature. Look at this. As a matter of fact, that's what it says. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has, has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, don't be afraid of that word perfect because it does not mean sinless. It means mature. You're a full-grown adult. Doesn't mean you always make the right decision. Doesn't mean you always say the right thing. But now you have maturity and a little bit of wisdom and some life experience and you can at least discern between what you should and what you shouldn't say and what you should and what you shouldn't do. We don't always do it, but at least we're in a mature place where we can recognize it. So consider an opportunity where there are problems and trials to be able to grow your hoopamone, your endurance. Why? Because patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally cause others to quit. My last point this morning, the greatest example is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Three verses. This is from the message translation, paraphrase. I love it. It, it, it is literally a picture of the Olympic Games. In the King James it says, Wherefore, we are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. And the, the Greek word for encompassed is literally amphitheatered. And, and the, the picture, the metaphor that the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that we're observing someone who is running in out of town on a marathon, which is the Greek word, and they're running this long-distance race, and it ends in the final lap in the arena with the whole crowd screaming and shouting. So we're encompassed about, we're amphitheatered about by a great cloud of witnesses. This is not us sitting at home watching the Olympics. Who decided what sports they were going to put in that thing? What is this deal with some boys scrubbing ice and a flattened bowling ball rolling down? Where, what is that? Or, or the biathlon. Who do you know who cross-country skis and stops and shoots anything? Sorry. I just, I just can't get into it. I'm, I'm just, what? 
But I got your attention. Hang on. We sit and watch that. We're not competing. The folks that encompass us are watching it and they are the church triumphant. They're leaning over the balconies of heaven. They're your mamas and your daddies and your grandparents and those who laid down their lives in generations in the past and who ran their race faithfully in their time and they hoop a monade. They didn't quit. They're leaning over the balcony of heaven and they're cheering you on. You have somebody over that balcony that's connected to you, a praying grandmama who's on the other side of glory. Maybe an old pastor who's already graduated to his heavenly reward. Everybody in this room has somebody that's part of the church triumphant, leaning over the balcony, observing you, watching you. And now with that picture in your understanding as to what the writer is saying, let's read. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. One of my favorite historical heroes is Winston Churchill. One of his most famous quotes is, Never, never, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Say it with me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's it right there. Who both began and finished this race we're in. Read it. Study how he did it. How did he do it? It was all about what he considered, what he looked at, what, he, what his perspective because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God he could put up with. Come on, say put up with. Come on, some of you putting up with your marriage. Some of you, I know you're putting up with your teenagers. And they putting up with you. How many of you are thankful that God puts up with us? See, that's that word, that's forbearance. You're dealing with the problems that people bring into your set of circumstances. Because patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally make others quit. If you love somebody enough, you don't quit. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I mean, this is like a motivational video on steroids. When you see what Jesus endured, and He did it for you. We follow His lead. We study how He did it. He was reviled, yet He blessed. He was cursed, yet He gave. He was betrayed, yet He forgave. How often do we practice that kind of walk of forgiveness? That kind of release and let go. That kind of catch and release. You catch somebody in an offense and you want to stone them. Jesus says, forgive them and let them go. Follow His lead because the kingdom is a no-quit zone. So many times folk get a little bit frustrated. I've had pastor friends who've started in big cities with a budget and in two years they would get bored and they would quit, just shut the whole thing down because it hadn't become a megachurch in two years. 
All the while they're asking me, how are you doing over there in West Memphis? Well, we're not going to quit. we got 87 people that are faithful, but we're not going to quit. Were you still in that mall? Yeah, we've been in it for a few years, but we're not going to quit. Because the kingdom is a no-quit zone. You can't quit because there's something on the inside of you that will put up with whatever. You will deal with it. You will consider it an opportunity to grow some hoopamone, some endurance, some forbearance, some waiting patiently on the Lord. Somebody say amen. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? I'm finished. All my read-throughs, I've read through the Bible at least once a year, sometimes two and three times for over 40 years now. And it's like I did not make the... I know the God of peace is there. I know the God of hope. I know the God of love. And those phrases appear there. And it's like I had forgotten. There's only like one or two places where it will say the God of patience. And I'm so glad that it says the God of patience because He's put up with me. He's put up with me in my frustration. He's put up with me in my impatience when it didn't happen in my time frame, when I'm standing in front of the heavenly microwave going, hurry up, hurry up, finish this project. Hurry up, hurry up, give me this meal to eat. Anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? The God of patience, my last verse and I'm finished, Romans 15, 5. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. The King James says, the God of patience and comfort. Listen to the ESV. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because patience is love's ability to hold up under circumstances that would normally make others quit. Jesus is not a quitter. He's never in one moment quit loving you. He's never in one moment taken the gaze of his eye off of you, what you're facing. Nobody has endured the nonsense, the lies, the betrayal, fabricated witnesses, being spat upon, crowned with a set of thorns that his very word had spoken into existence, the vine that grew the thorns, he had given it life by his word beaten with a cat of nine tails with pieces of bone and metal that literally ripped open the back of the Son of God. He had to pick up the cross and he had to hoopamone. He had to remain under. After enduring three trials all night long, being spat upon, made fun of, mocked, dressed in kingly attire, blindfolded and said who, who hit you prophesy king enduring all of that there was something that he never lost sight of he never lost sight of a, of a heavenly father and his creation being reconciled being at peace being at one atonement at one being, being brought together no more enmity between God and man and Jesus was going to be the missing link he came as the joining of two fully God and fully man and he carried, he hoopamoned, he carried that cross and endured it down the Via Dolorosa until Simon the Cyrene came along, a big bodybuilding black man, I love it, took the weight of Jesus' cross and helped him pull it up the hill of Golgotha. Jesus laid down on that piece of wood and they nailed through his flesh 
picked the cross up, this disgusting symbol of execution in this completely immoral Roman Empire that had enslaved people and had killed people at the word of any accuser. The Son of God had become the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. And He was about to hang suspended between heaven and earth. And He laid down on that wood and they nailed His hands and His feet to that cross and they picked it up and dropped it into the hole in the ground. And He's hanging suspended between heaven and earth. And He loved us this much and He said, It is finished. Tadalestai. The debt is paid in full. The Bible says for about three hours darkness covered the earth and the people were terrified. At the end of the scene, one of the centurions says, Behold, this was the Son of God. But in that moment, he hupomoned. He bore the sins of the whole world. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Everything you would ever do wrong, everything you should have done right and didn't do. In your past, in your present, and in your future. Jesus, the Bible says all we were like sheep gone astray. Every one of us had turned to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He hupomoned. Go over that. Remember that. That long litany, that list of things that he plowed through. When you remember that, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. In this moment, I don't know whether you've ever crossed the line of faith and asked Jesus to be your Savior. I I would like to stand on the other side of that line and welcome you into the family of God, but you have to make a decision. The lights are coming down. I'd like for everybody to bow your heads.